0: Don't just be a part of the industry, redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within.
2: Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps, we are live once again with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity 2.0, our leadership series. And I am super, super duper excited to, to talk about the person we have on today, Ms. Lydia Payne Johnson. But well, before we get to her, I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping amazing security talent get into opportunity and wonderful leaders hire security talent. My co-host is here with us today, Chris Folon. Say hi to the people, Chris.
0: Hey, everyone.
2: And our special guest, our Leadership Series guest for today is my Lydia. I call her my Lydia. My <laughs> Lydia. Lydia Payne Johnson. Say hi to everyone, Lydia. Hi, everyone. And Lydia is like Chief Privacy Officer extraordinaire. She's the Chief Privacy Officer at tons of major Banking institutions, Freddie Mac, Morgan Stanley. I mean, we're just j- going to jump into Lydia's background, how she got to this place, how you can get to this place, how what privacy, how privacy interacts with security teams at these organizations, um, all that good stuff. So, Lydia, where do you want to start?
1: Well, let's start at the beginning because it was um, okay. it's a little different. Um, you know, privacy, if you think of privacy in the United States, it's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. It's only about 20 years old, um, you know, whereas security has been around forever. Um, and so, you know, I was at Morgan Stanley, excuse me, the chief privacy officer at Morgan Stanley. And um, and before I was that, I was the head of global advertising. And... Um, all of a sudden, they came to me and said, you know, we've got this thing that we have to do. We have to comply with this new law um, on privacy. Um, we need to send this notice to our clients. We need to, um, we don't want the clients to opt out. Um, and you know how to talk to the clients because you've been in marketing. And, um, you know, you have, a, you have a law degree, so you're the chief privacy officer. And that was pretty much the conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were voluntold into your first chief privacy officer. <laughs> <laughs> but I also should put into to perspective that the early chief privacy officers, at least in financial services, came out of marketing. Wow. Um, they The people that were just kind of recruited, and I'm talking about not just the investment firms, but also the banks and the credit card companies that the a lot of us were in marketing. Um, many already had law degrees and we were finding our way around. So now if you fast forward to today, um, you know, the chief privacy officers that you find are coming out of, um, legal, they're coming out of risk. They are, um, coming out of, um, I would say primarily risk or coming out of the business, um, and you have some people that have been involved with, say, um, data management. which just now called data governance. Um, so, chief privacy officers and you know come from a varied background. It's very broad, um, and if, if you recall the Equifax breach that there was some um, initial uh, rattling of cages around the fact that the Equifax chief privacy officer had a degree in music. Well, I have an undergraduate degree in music. Okay.
2: So, <laughs> so what's um, yeah. What's, <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the thing with the music majors becoming chief privacy officers?
1: <laughs> but they, but they did back off of it because again, it's, it's, um, we come from a lot of different backgrounds. And so whether you have a music degree or a degree in English or a degree in, um, I don't know, engineering, electrical engineering, it doesn't matter. Do you understand the space? And I think that that's really what the important thing is. So, um, you know, and, and yes, go ahead, Renee. No,
2: go ahead, go ahead.
1: I was going to say that, that, you know, there are challenges now as, as I have talked to, um, you know, law students who are graduating talked talk to young people. There are a lot of challenges now in terms of getting into this space and also getting to be a chief privacy officer.
2: So what are some of those challenges that people are facing right now?
1: Well, you can't step out of law school and, and, and be a chief privacy officer because privacy privacy requires that you understand the business that you understand the applicable laws and regs it under that you understand what the scope of of privacy is and privacy is so broad it mm-hmm. it factors into um you know the your HR, it factors into um, information security, it factors into, um, you know, uh, retail, it factors into healthcare, it factors into a lot of things and it's understanding not only how that, how privacy factors in it, but then how does it operate Uh, and operationalizing that within the business is really important to building managing sustaining a privacy program Mm -hmm. so i so so those those are the challenges and then privacy teams tend to be small
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how do you like security i'm sure privacy is a conflicting approach to business how do you work with the business to balance what they want hmm. to do uh, sure. oops, what they want to do versus what they should do from a privacy perspective
1: Ooh. well for i think the first thing is do they even uh, understand that privacy is a part of their their, their stack all right Um, So you really have to get in and um, start to educate them. Um, I'll use my Freddie Mac experience as um, an example. Um, When I got to Freddie Mac, there wasn't even a program. And, you know, their theory around data was that data was free. You know, it could be shared freely. Why Why do we need these protections? We haven't had a breach. So why do we need a privacy program? Why do we need a chief privacy officer? Okay. So in at least the first three to four years that I was there, there was this whole education process with the business and helping the business to understand and define privacy, define the, the data that was in scope um, to help them understand that it wasn't just um. This data they collected, say, from borrowers or from investors, their data was in there too. They owned a home. If they bought a home or they refinanced a home, and if Freddie Mac owned the loan, guess what? Your data is there too. So how would you feel if your data was breached? So it, it it's really important to be that person who can sit with the business and, and help to educate them around uh, privacy and why it's important and engage them in a way that they become partners. That they, you know, you can deputize them, if you would, um, into learning about uh, privacy and to managing it for themselves. A lot of times they think that you just want to come in from the top down and just tell them, this is what you must do, as opposed to I think as, a, as privacy professionals, we have to be nimble around understanding the business, how it operates, how they use the data, who they share the data with, where they store the data, and then putting that into context with respect to, all right, here's your privacy compliance obligation and working with them on that. Um, and and when they have issues, partnering with them to help res- help come up with a practical solution that's reasonable that can that's defensible. If in fact they had to go to court or or an auditor came in or a regulator came, in, is it defensible?
2: Right. So Lydia, when you would go in, I I can imagine the business, especially businesses that are unaware of the differences between privacy and security, like, so you have your chief privacy officer, you have your security officer, security, chief security officer, how would you explain to them or describe the differences and where you, where you're, you know, where the, um, the line of demarcation is?
1: There is isn't a al- there really isn't a line of demarcation between privacy and security. I think that they are two sides of the same coin. I've always approached it that way. Um, to me, privacy is um, the head's side of the coin. That's where you're collecting the information. That's where you're bringing it into the organization. Um, security is the tail's side of the of the equation because now that the data is in-house what are the controls what are the uh, tactics and tools that you're going to use to help protect that information from unauthorized access Uh, how are you going to monitor it how are you going how is it uh, set up in a way that helps you to comply with the applicable laws and regs um, us only or maybe you know globally and so the partnership with the security team is central to the success of a, a, a good and strong privacy program.
3: And, and with privacy changing, each state having their own regs, um, each country, region in the world having their own regs, um, how how do businesses and or even students coming into the field, um, how do they grapple all the different things that they need to consider?
1: Well, you know, Chris, it is an alphabet soup of um, regs and, and laws and compliance. Um, I, it, it's really, at the end of the day, when you kind of get under the hood, they're really actually all trying to do the same thing and yes gdpr has some some additional requirements um and they have a slightly different definition of personal information than the us but at the end of the day it's around protecting people's information and so how you develop this the framework um well I don't want to get too far ahead because you said students coming in. It's really, it's really important to have a strong foundation around what do you have to comply with? Um, Where do, where do those particular laws and regs, or what are the touch points within the organization that those laws and regs apply? Where, where, do you need to really kind of get under the hood and do an assessment and see, do we have the appropriate controls in place? Where do we need to tighten things up? And if you, if you don't have the appropriate uh, controls, then, okay, what do you need to do to get there? Some of it is, might be administrative. Most of it is technical, right? And, and, um, so less of it is, is physical, unless you have a data center that you have to make sure that the data center is is really behind the right kind of, of 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 walls. But I think that that understanding that is is really requires that you then have to get get together with your legal team. You have to get together with um, security um, and f- figure out how do we how do we frame this in a way that a people know what we're talking about when we get in front of them um, because mm-hmm. i've been in meetings where the ciso speaks and you see everybody's eyes kind of glaze over mm-hmm. <laughs> the privacy officer speaks and it's sort of like what the flip are they talking about? Okay. And they said, well, we we can't do this. Is there a problem? They don't understand that, that, well, first of all, the problem is you got to comply with the law, but more importantly, how does this impact my business? Why is this important to my business? Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: getting on the same page from a communication standpoint internally is really, really crucial.
2: Because sometimes... That, it, it, go ahead, Renee. Is that why you think initially um, marketing professionals were the ones that transitioned into privacy because of that communication standpoint? or?
1: So I think marketing people got involved initially because the focus 20 years ago was on the privacy notice that was sent to... Um, to customers and to clients. And the privacy notice gave them the opportunity to opt out of a company sharing their information with a third party or with an affiliated company. Mm -hmm. And so businesses didn't want people to opt out because then that kind of reduced their ability to market effectively to them. So, excuse me, so, um, That's that was really what was behind reaching out to the marketing people. Can you craft the privacy notice in a way that it doesn't cause any worry or concern for our customer?
2: (laughs) and They won't opt out. Interesting. I never knew that.
3: Do you feel. Will that companies take more of a blanket approach to privacy or do they have a more tailored approach to privacy based on the different rules, um, laws and regs?
1: I think that companies are still taking a very broad approach to privacy because I think that it, and, and I will say this, I think that the privacy professionals, myself included, we haven't done an a good enough job and been effective enough around helping companies understand what this really is. That it it really has um, nothing to do with you individually. It has to do more with uh, a broader societal um, value proposition around protecting people from unorth unauthor- from from harm, and the harm is fraud or. Uh, identity theft, um, or other nefarious things that could be done with somebody's data. You know, Europe, their um, their original uh, motivation really grew out of World War II, where they, you know, um, we know about the Holocaust. And so they really wanted to begin to protect the citizens of um the EU in particular, against something like that happening. So when you see um, the scope or the definition of personal information in Europe, you see how broad it is. I mean, it just covers everything down to the color of the nail polish on your toes. Um, Whereas in the United States, the focus has been more narrowly focused around protecting your financial information. And then they brought in healthcare, but but we we have a narrower focus. And with CCPA and some of the other um, uh, laws that have kind of come to the fore in the past twenty years, they're trying to get at some additional things that GD, um, GLBA. I'll tell you, it's the alphabet soup. The <laughs> GLBA doesn't really cover. So mm-hmm. the um, so yeah so i think that you're trying you know privacy is still still trying to find its sea legs in trying to say what is this thing really yeah so uh, if you're talking about security controls to me that is more black and white you could talk about uh splunk and you can explain what splunk does you can explain um you know if you have uh uh, security controls to monitor other kinds of activity or to protect um, your you know your data center mm-hmm. but privacy is not necessarily a standalone because it fits up inside of things it fits, mm-hmm. It's a part of you you know say for hr. Um, protecting employee information and protecting the information of their beneficiaries that sit in your HRIS system or that your third, the third party has, you know, your benefits, your benefits providers. Um, It's not as obvious on its face. And so when you sit in a board meeting or you sit in a meeting with executives and you start talking about privacy, they immediately think of themselves and, and that kind of gets mixed in in terms of their understanding of it. So as I said, I think that privacy professionals haven't done as effective a job of really saying what this is. I don't know that we have been as effective as getting to the table with the CISO and that when we are talking about something, we are speaking the same language and not, you know... The, the CISO is speaking French and the privacy officer is speaking German.
3: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or Japanese right. at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in terms of, they're saying the same thing, but they're saying it in, in using different words, basically to say the same thing.
2: Right. So Danielle Goodwin wants to know, do you think the rest of the United States will be as stringent as the European Union or California laws? Um
1: I think the United States is trying to get there. We just keep running into roadblocks. Um you know, there there was the uh I think earlier this year before um the pandemic lockdown that they were looking at a national um uh privacy law, but it was really more around data breach. So again, I don't think the United States is still getting it. I don't think Congress um, is still getting that. it's You you can't just keep picking off chunks of it and then trying to address it. It is more holistic. You have to think of it in a broader sense, much like the European Union has done. So um, I think the United States has a long road to slog in terms of getting to the level of of the, the EU. Now, California's law, the uh, CCPA, um, helps a little bit, but that was very flawed. As you know, uh, Danielle, as you may know, um, it was very flawed. They had to go back to the drawing board on it. They're still tweaking it. So um, I don't know that states will start to adopt a CCPA type of uh, legislation um, Uh, similar to what they did after California was the first to come up with breach statutes, breach notice statutes. And the other states followed behind over the course of some almost 10 years. So um, I don't know that the states are ready to really um, adopt a CCPA type of um, format yet or approach.
2: And CCPA is the California Privacy Act? Yes, sorry.
1: Consumer privacy, California consumer privacy act. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So Ben wants to know: Can you recommend some resources to follow, either news sites or Twitter accounts, for someone to learn more about current and future privacy regulations?
1: Certainly, Ben. Um, the International Association of Privacy Professionals is probably the the primary source I would recommend. Um, they have a daily digest. They That is also the certifying um, uh, entity for um, privacy professionals. Um, also, the Future of Privacy Forum, which is run by a gentleman named Jules Polonetsky, um, which is on Twitter, um, is also a, another good um, source. Jules tends to have really good panel discussions. He has, even has a privacy book club. Um, and um some really good good discussions and he's 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 based here in washington and he um really keeps up on what's going on but i i would start with iapp Um, i think it's privacyassociation.org is their website and then the other is the future of privacy forum so
3: for those looking to break in are there um are there degree tracks or certifications or trainings that you feel will best prepare them to enter into the industry?
1: <sighs> I was wrestling with that when I was kind of pulling my notes together. So, uh, you know, a lot of the, the colleges now have and the universities have cybersecurity programs. I think Maryland has one. I know George Washington University, where I'm at, has a cybersecurity degree Program um, the law schools um, now have um, privacy law um, programs, and I know that my my alma mater, um, New York Law School, has one, and I will be teaching uh, privacy law there next spring uh, for them. the The challenge, though, is. I don't know that companies are looking at entry-level folks because with privacy, you kind of have to hit the ground running. You have to kind of know the, the space. So the I would think that the schools, and I don't know that the schools have done a really good job of trying to place um, the students in internships uh, where they can become more familiar with... Um, with privacy. But as I I kind of did a list of all the different areas, if you're looking to get into privacy as a career, um, you can go a legal track, you can go a compliance track, you can do data protection or data governance. There's information security, there's investigations and forensics, there's regulatory, there's policy, there's government affairs. Um, I think that you have to kind of Identify where do you want to kind of start. Another good place is um, to start in a business or start you know start in the business line of a of a company where they are consumer facing or they're collecting consumer information. We're dealing with a lot of um, personal data or even healthcare data. You know we should never forget the pharmaceutical companies um, have really big privacy programs. They they, they have to. Um, So getting a foot in the door, I would recommend um, getting on the IAPP website, um, seeing when they have um, their conferences, you have to network, network, network. Um, Start talking to people who are working in the space um, who have, or who've been in the space. Um, if you're at a company where they have a privacy officer, make an appointment to sit, to go and talk with them for 30 minutes and tell them you're interested and find out what they're looking for. I a caution again that privacy teams tend to be relatively small.
2: Mm-hmm. How big uh, was your team, Lydia? You had like what, 10 people?
1: By the time I left, I had six. When I started, I had literally two and a half. I was hearing somebody. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that um, I did, which was a model from the get-go, when I first started in this was to have privacy champions that sat in the business. And in a way that was deputizing them. And then then there was a privacy council. And so the privacy champions became responsible for being sort of the boots on the ground and helping the business understand for disseminating that information to helping to implement the privacy program into their, their respective business
2: areas. Yeah. We have a couple of good comments coming in, Chris, before you jump in. Am I getting choppy? Mm -mm. No. Okay, awesome. So George had a he had a question, he had a comment. The comment is that's a real challenge, Lydia. I mean, the concept of privacy is something that should apply at an entry level easily. What do you think?
1: You would think that would be true. But the way privacy operates is you need to understand the the applicable laws and regs, you need to understand, as I said earlier, what does the company collect? What do they do with that data? Who do they share it with? What's the scope of of their data footprint, if you would? Is it global? Um, Is it U.S. only? Is it within a particular state, Um, for example? But privacy isn't just about... um, coming in and reading laws and regs and what have you, it's do you understand how privacy should be operationalized within the organization? And coming in at entry level, you're not going to know that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And which is why, you know, whether it's a privacy officer or a compliance officer or wherever privacy happens to be sitting at a particular time, um, that that they're not going to look at entry level because they want people who understand the operationalization of privacy and all of the different touch points, such as um, security, um, such as uh, you know, vendor, even even your facilities people. Because some of it has to do with um, um, you know safety in, in in the workplace. And now with some organizations um, stepping up their security where you they're collecting your fingerprints um right it 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 that that's privacy you have to to know that so it's a great question george but it that's the challenge i think for um any student who whether you're in a cyber program or in a law program how do you break in
2: yeah George also wants to know, do you think a lot of effort is placed into holding private organizations, especially social media websites like Facebook, Twitter, and Google, accountable for the way they use PII for tracking and ad analysis?
1: Oh, my God. That's my (laughs) soapbox. Well, Facebook, Twitter, Google... They are not regulated in the same way as a lot of other companies. They actually have more of a blank check to do what they want to do with with um, our data, and that's a problem. And for whatever reason, well, they have. I think I think Facebook has is it one hundred and fifty to two hundred lobbyists in Washington, Um, so that you know to to lobby against. Having uh, legislation, so and we see that Zuckerberg is in bed with the president. So, um, until there's some regulation that and 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 walls put up around those those companies, we're going to continue to see what we're seeing, which is um, they have their way with our data. Um, the other thing that um, I think this is um, not being paid attention to is. Um, Artificial intelligence and um, how companies are using artificial intelligence, and the fact that um, there is no, um, there are no regulations around that, and um, and there are no laws currently. So, in terms of discriminatory practices, um, uh, 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 what do you call it? Price co- collusion. Uh, in terms of raising prices, that AI is being used for that, as well as even sentencing guidelines. And um, you know, one of my one of my passions is around the ethical use of data in terms of of AI. So you know, the US has, um, and I think globally on on AI, we have a, a long ways to go around trying to hone in and and bring these horses back into the barn that, um, you know, that Facebook, Google, and Twitter and the like have have let out.
3: Would would you say that um, companies struggle with data that they own as an asset? um, Because most of the times they don't understand how the data was ingested, and what the use case was at the time. Mm -hmm. And then because they've owned it for so long, or because they don't know the origin of it, they just feel like they can use it as as they want to versus if it came in via um, a certain use case or had a certain Mm -hmm. authorization, then they, then they might abide to those restrictions.
1: I I think that we're so far down the pike now. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, the damage has been done. Um, I don't know how you, you start to pull that back. How do you start to rein it in? Um, it's, it's tough. Um, I didn't know, <laughs> uh, that Facebook also, you know, when, when did Facebook acquire messenger? I mean, I, I learned that a while, but you know, so there, there's so much crossing of the streams now, um, with all the acquisitions that the, the notion of, um, privacy is, um, is scurrilous at best.
3: Okay. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Yeah, Facebook has Messenger, WhatsApp, Mm -hmm. um, several several of the companies. And Instagram, Instagram. that's right. Yeah. It it seems like they acquired them simply for the user base Mm -hmm. and the analytics behind it. Right. Which is one of the uphill battles that you're facing now, especially in the EU, where you're being asked to continue to segregate the data. So that they're not used cross platformed, mm-hmm.
2: yes,
1: um so if they you know if they took a page out of the books of the investment companies um and I'll use Morgan Stanley as the example, Morgan Stanley had a brokerage firm, an investment bank, and um they had a trust company, and they had the discover card and so the four systems did not speak to each other as much as the brokers really wanted to get the information that was in the discover card database. They were not allowed to do that and they were not allowed um, under the sec rules, but, and also by, by the company. I mean, if we had had something like that, Hey, we'd be golden, you know, so it's okay for Facebook to acquire Instagram and uh, WhatsApp. Um, and God knows what else they've acquired, but um, you know there needed to be firewalls between those systems um, and um, in order to at least have some measure of um, privacy as well as, as, as some security controls, right? Easy to track. Mm-hmm
3: yeah from
2: uh so gina go ahead gina just want to chime in with some comments here gina says i teach cyber classes and force my students to read the terms of use for facebook twitter google the looks on their faces when they are done is <laughs> worth it lol and then she also adds in here um, i dare you all to go read the terms for TikTok monsters <laughs> 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 so, we have some folks on here. Jermond is on here. Jermond's hey, here. Right. It's Freddie Mac Central today. CFPB has fallen down on regulating this space.
1: I th- yeah. I mean, Jermond, you, you bring up a good point. CFPB, that the Consumer, what is that? consumer yeah. Financial Protection Board, um, that was Elizabeth Warren's baby back in the day. It was um, really designed to um to help protect consumers against um fraud against privacy violations you know if there's a data breach that they were going to be the advocates for for consumers um and it was fraught with a lot of controversy when it first came in and um you know president obama uh, kind of kept it going but then um a lot of the um uh senators questioned it and when uh, Trump came into office, uh, you might remember that there was a lot of controversy. He removed the head of CFPB. He was actually looking to take it down. So they were kind of um, on, um, they've been kind of walking on eggshells for the past four and a half years. Um, And so haven't really had the legislative or the executive branch support to move forward with any kind of reviews or enforcement actions. Similarly, F- the FTC, I th- even think that they've dialed back their oversight and their review. So we we are sort of like in a, 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 a soft regulatory oversight period right now, as it pertains to um, privacy and, and, and data security. I think the last, um, significant ftc um ruling was the windham case to me the whole thing around you know having a reasonable information security program um but uh yeah so so the us um compared to europe which they are very um uh aggressive and very proactive um even before the ink was dry on gdpr um in terms of, of regulating um, and going in and making sure that companies were in compliance or in, and are in compliance. So, you know, the challenge in, in Europe is going to be Brexit, right? Um, that um, now you're going to have this dichotomy in, in, um, in Europe, and so um, companies are going to have to scramble in terms of how do they comply with GDPR and then this kind of other aspect of whether it's GDPR or something else with Brexit um, in the future. Welcome to the US.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: (laughs) The fun never ends. Okay, so Danielle Goodwin says, small to mid-sized businesses don't understand the laws related to privacy either. Um, Bibi Hamid, miss her comment. Uh, you always need to take a moment to read The Five Friends before creating any accounts. Okay. I'll, I'll so, address Danielle's so first. Alf, some real buddies on here today. Wow, yeah. Um, yep.
1: uh, I'll address Danielle's uh, first. Go for it, Lydia. Absolutely. Um And I think that that's a, that is a space that... Um, I wouldn't necessarily say entry level, but folks looking to do some um, consulting or some side business is the small to mid-sized businesses. Um, you know, I, at one point early on, I was also consulting on doing um, privacy notices in terms of use notices for uh, businesses that had websites because they didn't have that information. They were collecting um, info and you know helping the owner to understand why it was important to them because from a liability standpoint um, that you know a breach could knock them out of business. Um, so yeah, so um, I think that that's that is a one of the forgotten spaces of small to mid sized uh, companies and um, they they can't afford a privacy officer and usually the security person is maybe the owner or the owner's, you know, sister or brother-in-law or somebody that, um, so I think that 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 is a space there's, that's ripe for opportunity in terms of um, helping them to to get up to speed, um, you know, as appropriate for their particular business. Um, And then the second one was around, I'm sorry, what's the next one? Yeah, I, I I guess BB, I would I would want to know what kind of accounts are you talking about, in terms of fine print. So you are you talking about before, um, let's say that I wanted to <clears throat> excuse me open a BJ's account, so I'd need to read the fine print, or do are you talking about, you know on the on the company side that. In terms of we just, you want to now set up these new kinds of accounts, I, I then, think like so. in terms
3: of service is what she means.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so go ahead, Chris. I, I
3: was going to say back back to your small and medium sized company comment. Um, isn't there the impression that most of these companies are under the regu- the regulatory limits, at least in the states? For example, for CCPA there's that minimum threshold of um, income or number of customers or operating scale to where these companies feel like it's not applicable to them.
1: That's true with CCPA. But I as far as the other states, I will give you a lawyer's answer. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not seen <laughs> where there are limits necessarily as you go from state to state. And there and it could be um, uh, that, you know, some of the small and the sized companies um, don't apply. But I believe that G- GLBA say if you collect, you know, PII from um, a consumer um, that you have to let them know that you, you know the reason why you're collecting it, what you do with it, you have to also have the appropriate means to protect it from unauthorized access. I, I, I know the GLBA doesn't have a carve out, <clears throat> excuse me, around the size of the company.
3: Wow, learned so much this session.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so did I. So did I. Lydia, we have to have you come back. Um, Alf wants to know if you're a Morgan alum. I know Morgan Stanley for sure. Yes. I don't know if you mean Morgan Stanley or... or, um, Morgan State? Not J.P. Morgan or Morgan State, yeah.
1: No, uh, it's Morgan Stanley. No, not Morgan
2: State, right? Morgan Stanley.
1: Morgan, J.P. Morgan? No, it's uh, Morgan Stanley. um, And um, started really more at the Dean Witter Reynolds organization and then Dean Witter bought Morgan Stanley not the other way around um so yeah so I was I was there 26 years
2: wow yes
1: um so if uh, you know I I, this was great I'd be happy to come back Uh, I'll just leave everyone with some quick tips if if we have time absolutely um I think it's it's important to get clear if you want to be in privacy what 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 aspects of privacy do you want to be in? Um, because then you can have a that conversation with, could be the CISO, the C- CPO. Um, you want to get in the door. And so, um, and, you know, to, to get in the door, you're going to also need to know where does privacy live in the organization? Is it in compliance? Is it in legal? Is it in the, um, the COOs? organization? Is it in um, enterprise risk? So it's important to know where privacy lives so that you can network and reach out to the right people and network, network, network. Find out whether there's a career path, you know, because privacy can be a dead end. um, Quite frankly, if it's a small team, Is, is there a path to go up or even to go out. When I say go out, that can you leverage which the experience you get in privacy with, say, the security team or or in IT. Um, Important to bring communication skills, creative skills, partnership skills. That's key. um, and, And knowing how to advocate because you have to be your own advocate. Because remember, people don't really understand what this is. Know the business. Know the information they collect. Um, uh, if you get in, make au- internal audit your friend. <laughs> <laughs> make, That's a good one. Make the CISO your friend, or 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 you know key members of the security team. And and if you're a lawyer um, or JD, and you're in this space accept that you're not that you're going to basically facilitate um discussion around this, the operas operal ooh, operationalizing of the program, um, and educating the, the legal team and what those requirements are, but you're not a lawyer. Okay? The legal team, they're the lawyers. So don't get into butting heads with the legal team because you you have an understanding of um, of of what the laws are, and then maybe their interpretation is slightly different. So you can also kind of massage and help them maybe see it a little bit differently. But know that your role is to advance the program and not be a lawyer.
2: Um, awesome points. Please. Okay. So Romy so, says. As we wrap, Romy says, I work for a law firm and some of the policies integrated into the day-to-day security controls and other firms are not aligned with current framework like NIST, ISO, ITIL. Could that contribute to the reason why privacy teams are so so small?
1: So the quick answer is the reason privacy teams are small is because the organizations don't really give privacy a lot of, of weight. They give more weight to and, and budget to your security teams and to IT. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how effective the privacy team is in terms of communicating, um, you know, what the needs are, what the requirements are, and what those touch points are. You're welcome. Um, please.
3: One, one mm-hmm. last question before you go. Mm -hmm. Would you say making privacy decisions are just like making security decisions where it is ultimately a risk decision for the organization, and they have to choose the risks that come with their decision?
1: Um, I thank you for that, because I did have on here that privacy is a risk uh, category. And so you're absolutely right. You the the privacy decision you make is um, a risk decision. And if you decide to uh, take on a particular risk, you also have to accept that risk, and and accept that risk, and and know that it may come back to bite you. And are you willing to um, are, are you willing to take that risk? And can you defend your decision?
3: Wow, we're almost at the dead. top of the hour. Wow, okay. <laughs>
2: Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. The questions are still coming in, Lydia. Wow! Um, so we definitely have to have you back for a part two because I, I feel like we need a privacy series. Like just <laughs> this, this in and of itself. I mean, we typically getting to fifty minutes. It's, you know, but this this is so so powerful, and this information is so needed. And I don't think it's that well um, known on this side. You know, in the mm-hmm. U.S. And we don't talk about it as much inside right. of organizations, you know, cybersecurity, cybersecurity, that's the thing. But privacy and really understanding how it all fits together, it's really, really important.
1: Yep. Yes, it is. Well, this was great. I I just loved meeting you, Chris. And, you know, Renee, you're my girl. I love <laughs> meeting you again.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lydia. Oh, Thank great. you. All great questions. Powerful, powerful questions. Great conversation. Um, and we will have Lydia back. It's clear. Everybody wants, the questions are still coming, but we got to mm-hmm.
1: go. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. Save them I- for
2: next time. We will have Lydia back. Thank
1: you. Bye, Take everybody. Right. bye